Welcome to the Next Level Podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational message from one of our youth services. It is our prayer that this message brings encouragement and a blessing to your life. To find out more about Next Level Youth, visit us on the web at palaceofpraise.com or on Instagram at Next Level Youth Group. All right, the scripture is Philippians 3, 12 through 16. It says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had, has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This scripture tonight all ties together, but oftentimes when the new year comes, like here come the resolutions, here come people talk, here comes people talking about what lies what lies in front of them. People talking about goals. They set goals. Anybody set goals at the beginning of the year? Anybody? Nobody. It's got some honest people. Sweet. Sweet. Those, that's a good thing. Things you want to achieve, things you want to get done, things you want to do, things you want to change about yourself. And I remember, I started thinking back to when I was like, you know, 13, 14, 15, and probably I, I contemplated what were my New Year's resolutions when I was a youth with a Z. And I had to think about that a lot. And I think that I normally didn't have a girlfriend like that often, and so I think probably my goal was to have a girlfriend by Valentine's Day. But I don't know if some of y'all have that same goal, but some of y'all maybe are thinking about dropping that significant other one before then because you're not ready to handle the pressure that Valentine's Day brings. Anybody feeling that? <laughs> uh, I was just seeing if I could get somebody like, in their fields to raise their hand, and we were going to have a breakup right here, right now, and we're going to have a counseling session after service, but <laughs> uh. anyway, if you're an adult like me, maybe you want to lose some weight, which I do, of course, and I'm really hoping for uh, one of my goals is to get a big tax return, amen? Yeah, hallelujah, or just not have to pay in taxes, which is the worst, am I right? You'll know. One day you will know. And there's nothing wrong. Like, having goals is great. I'm not here to dog that. Um, the only thing more stereotypical than making fun of someone for having a goal when the new year starts is being the one that's making fun of someone that has the goal. That's the only thing more stereotypical. But anyway, oftentimes, like, when a new year comes, what we want to do is we want to set our focus on what lies ahead. And... Tonight, this past two weeks, as I've thought about tonight and what the Lord wanted to do, sometimes first services of the year in youth are different every year, and I just try to be led of the Lord on what to do. So to, instead of looking forward tonight, God led me in a different direction, and I believe this. If you are going to continue to charge forward towards everything that God has for you, in this life, and if we do that, that ultimately leads us into the next life, then there may be, 
maybe, just maybe, there's weight that you're carrying with you into this year that needs to be laid down. There's weight you have on your shoulders maybe that you need to leave behind today, tonight. Maybe there's things in your life that in your race as you pursue God and everything He has for you, maybe there are things that are weighing you down. Maybe there are things that are even tripping you up. Things that you've allowed to bind you, to slow you down. And tonight, I believe that God wants to let you walk in the freedom that you have in Christ and let that weight, let that load you're carrying to let go of it. To lay it down. To lay it aside. To leave it behind. And never pick it up again. You don't have to pick it up again. So many people, I'm getting ahead of myself, leave things behind, but then they find as they walk that those things reappear and they decide instead of just leaving it behind, they decide to pick it back up again. God doesn't just want to set you free from that weight tonight for you to pick it back up again, but instead He wants you to continue to walk in the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus for the rest of our lives. So tonight, January 5th, 2022, God wants to lighten your load. He wants to lighten your load. He wants you to begin to walk in the freedom, in the victory that you have been given in and through Christ Jesus. We, as members of God's kingdom, often live below our privileges and we forget that we are meant to walk free. No weight, no sin, weighing us down, tripping us up. It is so possible. So tonight we're going to go to Hebrews 12. And I hope I don't speak too long. That's my goal. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We've been here before. We're just going to center around this passage for just a little bit. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Say, lay aside. Every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 1, if you'll leave verse 1 up there for me. Verse 1, it says, let, we're going to skip the first part. If you want to know what that means, you can come talk to me later, but let's skip to this part. It says, let us run the race that is set before us. We talked about the beginning. We're going to talk about this for just a minute. But we've talked about this so many times, as we should. What lies ahead? What we're seeking after? What we're going after, right? That's been our focus. And what lies before you as someone who is a part of God's kingdom? It's your race. You're in your own race. And your race is pursuing Jesus. It's pursuing Him who He is and all that He has for you, and it's pursuing all that you are supposed to be and all that you are created to do. That is your race. No one can run it for you, and no one has the same race before them as you do. Our, our only thing same about our... only Tongue-tied. Apologize. The only same thing about our races, not necessarily, but the main thing is Jesus Christ. We're in pursuit of Him, in all that He has for you. 
All that He's created you to be. I don't know about you, but that is what I'm after. And a lot of times, and we've talked about this before, so I won't stay here long, we just get really excited when someone begins their journey of following Jesus. We almost treat it like if you raise your hand and you pray a prayer, everything's good, everything's great, everything's grand. But salvation is not easy. Following Jesus is not easy. We've said this many times. It's not a prayer. It's not a moment. It's a journey. It's a walk, right? Your journey of following God, your race begins and cannot begin until the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit convicts you and shows you and leads you to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ paid the way for us to be reunited with God the Father. That's how salvation works. That's what happens when we start our journey. And we don't end our journey. The end of our journey, the end of our race is marked whenever and wherever we leave this earth once and for all. So who are we racing towards? It's right here in this passage. What is this journey all about? Who are we fixated on? We've already said it. The passage says it. Who? Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Verse 2. Verse 2, we are running after Jesus. Our race is a race in pursuit of Him. And as we run, lots of things happen. There should be lots of byproducts of you pursuing God in all that He has for you, including, but not limited to, if you're following God, your desire for the things of God should begin to grow more and more. And your desire for the things of the world should begin to weaken and become less and less. When I was your age, there were things that I felt like I didn't know if I was ever going to shake them off. And now those things, I've left those things behind. I've laid them aside. And I desire those things less than I ever have in my life. Why? That is not because of me. It's because of a byproduct of following God and trying to die to my flesh. And as I do that, as I follow Him, those things, those desires lessen and lessen and lessen. Now, don't get me wrong. The devil knows what he's doing and your temptations will change. You never outgrow temptation. That one's for free. That's for free. It's not in the notes. Just take it home. You can tip me later. I'll take it. Anyway, you think I'm kidding. I need them. Yeah, I won't put it on my taxes either. Our life. Oh, brother. All right. Let's get back. The Holy Spirit is, is, is leaving if we don't get back to the Bible. So anyway, as we follow God, our lives continue to look more and more like His. You should be loving God more. And as you love God more, you should be having an easier time loving your neighbor. And who is your neighbor? We've talked about it a hundred times. It's everybody, right? And your faith should grow. Your faith in God should grow. You should be so sure of your faith that your faith, as your life progresses, your faith continues to become more and more unshakable. There's nothing nor no one nor anything that can come to me and convince me that God is not real, that Jesus Christ was not the Son of God, and so, and so many other things, but that one day I've been saved through Jesus and one day I'll live with God forever in His kingdom. No one can convince me otherwise. And I pray that that becomes true 
for you as well. And these things, pursuing God, pursuing Jesus, and all that He has for us, that's what we're all about, right? That's our motto. We are what? Growing in Christ together. You're getting it. You're getting it, right? But that's not the focus. I didn't mean to snap at you. Are you offended? Get over it. But I didn't mean to, okay? Anyway, that's not the focus. Those things needed to be stated in case you're new, in case you don't know. But that's not what we're focusing on tonight. We're going to talk about the things that you need to lay to the side. The things that you need to let go of. The things that we've already stated that drag you down, slow you up, even trip you up, and that keep you from running your race well. And we see right here in this passage two things that we need to lay aside. Do you see them in verse 1? Could you put verse 1 back up for me? What do you see? Every weight and weight and sin. Say weight and sin. Sin. So we're going to dive into those for the rest of the time. We're going to dive into those two things. Every weight Every sin. And we're going to focus mainly on weight. But as you'll see, and as this passage even states, weight and sin, they really are, they're linked together. Every weight. Say every weight. Just make sure you're awake. Weight, the load you carry, is something that you pick up along the journey. You pick it up. It's things that we carry with us from the past. Some of you all, many of you all, maybe all of you in this room tonight have brought something, brought a weight with you. You're carrying it. You might not know it. You might know it. You might not. But you're carrying it. It's something that you picked up a long time ago. Or maybe even not that long ago. But nevertheless, it's something from your past that you've picked up and you're carrying with you. Maybe it's pain, hurt, disappointment, bitterness, regret, etc. And these things from our past, and these feelings we have, and this pain that we carry, this weight that we carry, can be things that were brought about by other people in our life, or even by ourselves. And this, listen to this, this is key. Either way, either way, if it was brought about by you or someone else in your life, either way, we are the ones who choose to carry it. No one put that weight on you that you weren't meant to carry. You put it there. You picked it up. It's no one else's fault. Maybe you were wronged, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. We're getting there. But you picked it up. You did that. And you do that. We do that. I've done that. Subconsciously or even consciously, we pick up weight and we choose to pick up weights that were never intended for us to carry. We were never meant to carry these things. And I believe if you were to get down to the root of this weight we're talking about, I hope you're tracking with me. I hope you get what I'm saying. If you were to get to the root of it, much of, if not all of it, is rooted in unforgiveness. Much of the weight you carry 
is rooted in unforgiveness. At some point along the way, you made and continue to make the decision that you are not going to forgive. Either yourself or someone else. Don't think this is just about other people. We also have to forgive ourselves. Remember, I made the point earlier that weight and sin are often linked together. Hebrews 12.1 says the same thing. And whether you knew it or not, or if you forgot, or if you already knew, but unforgiveness, carrying around bitterness, anger, pain, hurt, carrying those things around, carrying those, that weight that's rooted in unforgiveness, if that's where it comes from, is sin. Unforgiveness is sin. And you're like, duh, you know, I, maybe I, you've known that since you were a kid, maybe not. It's easy to say, but man, forgiving people can be really hard. Anybody agree? Anybody been hurt in this room? Anyone been hurt deeply by someone they trusted that they thought would never betray them? Anybody. Anybody. I'll raise, if I could raise my other foot, I would. You know? Seriously. Did you get a picture of how high I got? My vert's like 10 inches. Anyway, let's talk about first, let's talk about forgiving other people, okay? Why do we need to forgive others? Ephesians 4.32, straightforward. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Forgive one another as God forgave you. Colossians 3.12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Does it say you should forgive? Does it say if you feel like it? Does it say maybe? No. Unfortunately, that's not the, that is not the way of God. This is the way. You must forgive. Must. Capital M-U-S-T. Mandalorian, like that's so old. That was like over a year ago. Forget about it. Anyway, the Lord's Prayer, what does Jesus say? He teaches us to pray and He says, Luke eleven four. Forgive us as we forgive those who sin or trespass or who are indebted to us. Depends on what version of the Bible you read. So we know why, and many of you already knew that. But before we move on, I want to talk about briefly, and, I, and maybe I should spend more time here. So if you, if you miss some of these points, go back and listen to this later and write these down, or I can send these to you, okay? And you can listen to this afterwards on Spotify, Anchor, to search Next Level Youth Podcast, and you'll find it. Anyway, just so you can have this list or listen back if you so choose. What is forgiveness? Let's talk about what that is, what it looks like, briefly, and what it's not. Because I think oftentimes we get confused on what it is and what it isn't, whether we realize it or not. And I didn't come up with these myself. I can give you the sermon that I found these in, and I thought they were so good. And I heard these um, some point last year as I was reading a book 
called Win Your War, and I was listening to these sermons, I think it was last year, and this just really connected with me, and I thought it was really good. So what is forgiveness? Say, what is forgiveness? What it is. What it is. Forgiveness, number one, is the opposite of vengeance. The opposite of vengeance. Before Jesus came, and before the law of God, it was an eye for an eye. If you plucked out my eye, I was going to take your eye. If you killed my mule, I was going to take and kill your mule, or I was going to take it for myself. That's the way it used to be, but that's not how forgiveness works. When someone wrongs us, it's not our job to go and seek vengeance and try to make things right. That's one. That's what forgiveness is. Two, shifting your focus from the one who hurts you to the one who can heal you. You want to forgive someone? Shift your focus to the one that can heal you. And stop letting the enemy, stop letting your flesh keep you dwelling on that person who hurt you and what they did. The enemy's so good and he's so conniving and demons are real and, and demonic presence is real and demons will come and they will remind you over and over again. Things will pop up that will bring up past memory, past hurt, things that people have done. And when those things happen, we have to stop reminding ourselves of the one who hurt us and look towards the one who can heal and will heal us. Number three, forgiveness is both a one-time event and an ongoing process. You'll learn that if you've ever been hurt deeply by someone, something that is on your mind or things remind you of it, you'll learn that when you give it to God, when you forgive, that it's a moment, but you'll learn as, as life goes on and you have to deal with that pain when it comes back up, when those scars get itched and irritated, you'll learn that you have to continually forgive that person. That doesn't mean you didn't forgive them. That's not what that means. But it does mean that you're not going to go back and pick up that very thing and throw it on your back that you laid down a long time ago or even not that long ago. Are you tracking with me? Are you with me? Number four. Passing the case to a higher court. That's what forgiveness is. We want justice. It's in us. It's in our DNA. For the most part, you can say almost every person on this planet desires justice. We don't know what justice truly is. We are not just. Only God is just. God knows and we've got to stop bringing people into our courtroom symbolically, and we have to give it to God and let Him handle it. We need to take the burden. Forgiveness is number five. Taking the burden you cannot carry and handing it to Jesus. You're not meant to, you're not meant to carry the burden. And you cannot carry it. You cannot carry it. Give it to Jesus. Number six, giving up control of the outcome. Giving up control of the outcome. When you forgive someone, you cannot control if they're going to change, if they're going to care. They might not even know you forgave them. We'll get, that in, get there in a minute. 
But you have to give the outcome up and realize that you just got to let it go. Give up control. Number seven, choosing health for your body and soul. You know, when you forgive someone, that's what you're doing. You're choosing health for your body and your soul. When you carry around unforgiveness, it makes you bitter. It makes you angry. It makes you resentful. And you're not meant to carry that. You're not meant to carry that. When you choose to forgive, you're choosing health spiritually, mentally, even physically. So that's just a snippet into what forgiveness is. Let's briefly talk about what forgiveness is not. And also, this is from the same service sermon. Excuse me. Number one, forgiveness doesn't mean you deny that it happened. It's not about denying it. Number two, it's not about minimizing it. If someone has wronged you deeply, you don't have to minimize it and tell yourself, you know, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. You don't have to look at them and say, you know, it really is not that big of a deal. That is not required for you to forgive someone. I hope you understand that. Number three, forgiveness is not covering up a crime. If someone has done something, especially if they've done something illegal to you that is against the law, it's not that you have to forget and not report it or, or not bring it to the authorities. If someone has wronged you terribly, abused you physically, sexually, verbally, forgiveness is not just forget it. That's not what forgiveness is. So don't let the enemy and don't let someone in your life that has hurt you convince you that if you were Christ-like, you would just forget it. Because that's not true. Number four. Forgiveness is not based on, we've already talked about this a little bit, based upon someone's repentance or apology. When we truly forgive someone, we don't need them to apologize for anything. We don't need them to repent for anything. Remember, we've given, we gave that away. God's in charge of that now. Not us. Number six, forgiveness is not trust. Do you hear me? People in your life want to convince you that have wronged you. That if you really love me, if you really were Christ-like, you would trust me. No, no, no. No, no, no. Do not, do not be misled. Forgiveness is, is free. You give it away in a moment. But trust is earned over time. Do you hear me? You give forgiveness away in a moment. Trust is earned. It's not given. We respect people. That's free. But we don't have to trust people. That's earned. Do you understand? These things are important. I hope you're getting this. Forgiveness is not agreement. It's not you coming to agreement with someone else. Number eight, the last one. Forgiveness is not necessarily public. To forgive someone, you might need to, you might not need to, but you might not even have to speak to them about it at all. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the freedom you have in Christ, you can just leave the offense behind. It does not have to be shouted from the rooftops or posted on Tic Tac or whatever. Okay. And if you're doing the Bible reading, you're about to get to a story about a man named Joseph. And Joseph was a story of someone who you want to talk about having to forgive people. I'm not going to spoil it too much. You'll get there if you're reading the Bible through with our church. You talk about someone who had to forgive their brother, 
people they helped, someone that was betrayed, someone who knew what it was like for other people, not himself, to bring them from the highest of the highs to the lowest of the lows. You talk about someone having to forgive. You're going to get there, and I hope that as you read that, you think, if that guy can forgive, surely I can too. It's like a case study on forgiveness. It's going to be good. Just buckle down. Just get ready for it. Just chomp at the bit. Say, I can't wait. should be twitching right now. Anyway. Oh, it's a serious sermon. You guys don't want to laugh, do you? <laughs> if God says to forgive others, if He says we must, we've got to lay it down. Let it go and walk in the freedom that Jesus paid the price for you to walk in. Forgiving ourselves. Forgiving ourselves. Not going to spend a lot tonight. It's not going to be much longer, okay? Forgiving ourselves. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, He has delivered us up from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption. And what? The forgiveness of sins. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is the direct opposite of forgiveness. Do you understand that? Condemnation is the direct opposite of forgiveness. Those who are condemned, if you really are, you stand disapproved of, you're sentenced to a particular punishment, and you've been proven or shown to be guilty. But you need to soak up the truth of this verse in Romans 8.1 that often gets thrown around and quoted, and we don't treasure the truth that it beholds for us, the truth that it speaks to us, that if we are in Christ Jesus, there is now. Now means now. It means right now. Not later, not one day, not when you get your life together. It doesn't, now does never, it never goes away. It's today and forevermore. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is now, not now, not ever, no condemnation. No means nada, zilch, zippo, nothing, zero condemnation. It does not mean some, sometimes, or a little bit. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. Jesus paid the penalty. He paid the price. And what the enemy wants to do, he wants to, convict, convict, he wants to condemn you and convince you that those things in your past are not forgiven, that they've not been washed clean, that you'll never overcome the things in your past, that they'll follow you the rest of your life. And in a way, sometimes sin will follow and rear its head, but it doesn't rear its head in, its rela- in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Sin has a penalty. It has a price even on this earth when we sin. But when it comes to our standing with God, Jesus' blood, I've said this before, and it stands to be repeated, will wash you clean, and Jesus' blood will continue to wash you clean. And some people are afraid to talk like that because they're afraid that it just means people are going to abuse grace. We all abuse grace. And I don't have time to get into that. I'm sorry. 
But you'll find the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you believe these things, it doesn't make you sin more. It, it causes you to sin less. It changes your perspective because you begin to truly understand that you truly walk in freedom and that condemnation does not have to be a part of your life. Some of y'all sit in here and you sit condemned because you've accepted the lie that the enemy has told you. Now, if you're not in Christ, you are condemned. But if you are, you're not. Almost done. I say that too much. I've got to stop fibbing. But I think I am almost done. All right, so we've talked. <sighs> if God says you no longer stand condemned, not now, not ever, forgive yourself, move on, let go, walk in the freedom that Christ has for you. Does anybody, do you follow us on Instagram? Anybody have Instagram? I'm not doing TikTok videos. I'm sorry. I'm not cool enough for that. But anyway, I'm sorry we don't have youth TikTok, kind of, but not really. Posted this on Monday, all right, from George Whitfield. This is what he said. This is a perfect bridge into the end of the sermon. Jesus came down to save us, not only from the guilt of sin, but also from the power of sin. The power of sin. Could you put Hebrews 12.1 back up there for me, Josh? Let's talk about every sin. We've talked about every weight, which often is rooted in unforgiveness. Let's talk about every sin, which we've hit on a little bit already. I want to go to Romans 6, 1 through 6, and you can handle it. Romans 6, 1 through 6. Talking about a rich book of the Bible, Romans. This is what it says. What then, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. We just talked about that. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we had been united with Him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Excuse me. So that we would no longer... This is the key verse, the key part. We would no longer be enslaved to sin. If you were to read on, Verse 18 says, if we're in Christ, we're set free from sin. Verse 22 says, if we're in Christ, we are set free from sin. Then you jump over to Romans 8.2, which follows what? Romans 8.1. And it says, if we're in Christ Jesus, we are set free from... Excuse me, I'll, I'll quote the whole thing. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set you free from the law of sin and death. If we are in Christ, I've used this example before. If we are in Christ, we are set free not just from the guilt and the shame of sin, we are set free from the power and the grip of sin. Now, I've done this before, but I hope this reminds you that sometimes sin feels like it's got a hold on you and you just can't get it off. This is what it feels like if you're in Christ. Sometimes it feels like I'm just never going to beat this. And it's so tight around you that you just can't seem, it doesn't feel like you can pull it off. 
It doesn't feel like you'll ever overcome it. And if you're not in Jesus, that is the truth. You can never overcome sin. You can never overcome the guilt of sin or the power of sin. But if you are in Christ, the truth is that because of Jesus, we are meant to walk in freedom and victory from not just the shame and the guilt of sin, but also from the power and the grip of sin. But the enemies convinced you that you can never get over it, that you can never let it go, that it has a grip on you. But I want to tell you something. And hopefully I can do this. Because I don't know what I've done to myself. The truth of the matter is, those chains you think that are hung around your neck, that you can't just seem to shake off, the truth is you're the one holding on to it. It's you. If you're in Christ... No sin is too powerful for you to overcome. No temptation too strong. It doesn't feel that way, does it? Does it feel that way? Does it feel that way? Anybody? It feels like it's got a grip on you, doesn't it? But the truth is, you're holding on to it. And Christ is saying in the Bible to us, over and over again, you dinguses, You're living below your privileges as someone who is in Christ. That pornography addiction has no hold on you. You are the one. You are the one holding on to it. That girl, that boy has no grip on you. You are the one holding on to it. And Christ is saying, come to Me. Come to Me. And understand that all you got to do is let it go.